Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Acts 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. Now I've run out of time. Do you mind if I go on for a few more minutes? Just till we clear this up, because this is one of the most important bits. Verse 6 and verse 7. There's one more important aspect that we have to consider. At Pentecost, there are indications that the Holy Ghost has come upon the church. So I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at a couple of verses. Our passage that we're looking at in Acts chapter 19 is set in the apostolic age, isn't it? It's in apostolic times. It's before the completion of the canon of Scripture. So is it not likely that these disciples would have a similar experience to that of the people who are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? It throws up two difficulties for Pentecostals. Paul laid his hands upon them. It's an apostolic blessing. And it tells us that the Holy Ghost came upon them. It was ever like that. Um, The Holy Ghost comes upon us. And my understanding of that is and has been different from that of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Because I believe that the Holy Ghost comes upon us when we are saved. You can disagree with me if you want. Um, With great respect to believe otherwise, I don't believe we can use this incident in in Acts chapter 19 as the foundation for any doctrinal position whatsoever. It's a unique event. It's dealing with a particular situation. It should never be deemed to be normative for every believer. Now, what is normative for every believer? I began my ministry in 1983. I was studying for the ministry, 
And at the same time, I was looking after a wee small church, something I've been doing ever since. But it was a wee small church, and it was in Hollywood, County Down, and it was there that I met an old man called Matthew. Matthew was an enthusiastic Pentecostal Christian, a grand old-timer, a man in his 80s at that stage. He was a willing worker in the Lord's house, and he would have done anything. He was, he was a character that you would have loved to have met. He had a loudspeaker. He had an old Yugo car, if you remember those things. No, it wasn't. It was a ladder. He had a ladder. And on the front of the ladder, he had a bracket welded onto the bonnet of the ladder. And on the bracket, there was a loudspeaker. And he would go around every Lord's Day afternoon, shouting through this loudspeaker, inviting people to come to church and preaching the gospel. And he stood with me in the open air, 86, 87 years of age. He stood with me in the open air and he would have preached and preached with me. And in the middle of a sermon in Bangor, one day at the seafront, he saw these two African people people of colour coming out of a fish and chip shop. This was on the Lord's Day afternoon. And he stopped right in the middle of his sermon. Now, I'm telling the truth. He stopped right in the middle of the sermon. And he says, and you see you two darkies over there. You are going to go to hell. And he went over to them right away. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? The next day, one of those men came to Christ. For he went to their home and he witnessed to them. And he took them to his place for tea. And one of them at least became a Christian believer. Would you do that nowadays? That's the kind of man he was. He cut off one of his fingers. Cutting the grass round the hall that we had the church in. Was taken to the hospital. We were having a gospel mission at the time was taken over to the hospital and they couldn't reattach the finger. He was in agony and he was still at the meeting that evening. I'm only telling you that to show you the kind of person he was. But through the three years that I was there with him, Matthew told me on several occasions that despite the fact that he had been in Pentecostal circles from he was saved in his 20s, that there is one verse in the Bible that he can't let go of. I'm going to tell you what it was. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Just turn to it. We'll come back to Acts 2 in a moment. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And this is the problem verse that Matthew had and which I had ever since. Here it is. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now this is doctrine. By one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now tell me, when do we enter the body of Christ? When we are 
born again. When we believe. When are we baptized by one spirit? When we enter the body of Christ. When we believe. And Matthew, to the day that he died, remained a Pentecostal and said to me, I cannot accept this fact that you are supposed to have a second experience. You are supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost on the day that your whole, your spirit, your dead spirit within you is renewed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit and you are filled. And you know, it's something God does. It's not something you do. You don't have to empty yourself or respond to the altar call or lay your all upon the altar or go all out for God. Or let go and let God. God does it. He does it in his sovereignty. And he does it on the day that you are born again. By one spirit. Are we all. All of us. All Christians. All baptized into one body. The word by is still circled in this old Bible. I've had this Bible for 30 or 40 years. Bought it in the 80s. I've still circled it from those days. The word by is the word ice in Greek. It means into. When the Pentecostal is being talked about baptized in the Spirit, this verse is the verse you have to point them to. For in one spirit are we all baptized, not just for some special Christians. Everybody has it on the day that you're saved. But what about this business of speaking in tongues? Because if you notice here, the Pentecostal folks, they love to tell you that in Acts chapter uh, 19, these believers spoke in tongues when Paul laid his hands upon them. And they will extrapolate from that that we also ought to lay our hands upon people so that they too will receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. But look, let's go back to Acts chapter 2 just for a moment. And let's look at verse 7. And in verse 7, it says, They were all amazed and marveled. These are people... Remember that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come upon the church and they have spoken in other tongues. And in verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue? wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya around Cyrene and strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes and Greeks and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. What are they talking in? Languages 
recognizable languages, the languages and the dialects of the world of that day. The tongues here is not some mystical, angelic language or some utter gibberish. These are languages, spoken languages that foreigners could understand. And the purpose of those languages is to declare the gospel to all nations. Tongues seems very mystical. Languages clears it up. And of course there's a link between them speaking other tongues and prophesying, isn't there? It says they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Well, of course they did. Because in the truest sense, prophecy is to declare the will of God to men and women. And the objective of speaking in other languages was so that other men and women would hear declared the wonderful works of God so that they would repent and believe. What this verse is simply saying is that now that they have been born again, they have become witnesses for Christ. Their life has been changed as it always is, when a person meets the Saviour. So, we should be aware of the joy of this experience of God's Holy Spirit in these people's lives. They have come to a knowledge of the Saviour. There's been a huge change in spiritual circumstances. These disciples now have assurance of salvation. The Holy Spirit is now indwelling them, a down payment of heaven, a guarantee of their future redemption. Paul would later write to this very church, the church of Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12, and he would say, Christ, in whom ye also trusted, After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed. There you are. They have believed and they're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So there's now a dozen converted, committed, Holy Ghost-filled believers at Ephesus, worshipping along with those Jews who have been converted during Paul's first visit. And they're going to build a strong church, and they're going to strike a blow against the egregious idolatry in the city of Ephesus. There's going to be a riot. <laughs> <laughs> 